Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 1 through 8, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 18 through 31, the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5, verse 1 through 12, and Psalm 15. God, grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change courage to change the things that we can and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Be seated. When I was nine years old, I discovered MTV. Uh, And MTV, when I was growing up, actually played music um, and videos. And I, I fell in, by the way, the lights are just messed up today. They're just going on and off over here, but I don't get it, but nothing's, it's all okay. It's just happening. Um, and I, I just fell in love with that music and I fell in love with rock and roll and I decided I was going to be a rock star and I told my mom I wanted a guitar. So she got me piano lessons. <laughs> that is not the same thing. That is not the same thing. Now I know little Richard played the piano and he created rock and roll, but my mom didn't sign me up for rock and roll piano. She signed me up for like classical piano, these little purple books, and you had to learn theory and take notes, and I was just like, this is insulting. This is not my rock star heart. But I stayed with it, and I continued to practice, and I practiced regularly. Um, we actually got to a point in my upbringing where I actually had a piano in my own bedroom. Um, it's a long story, and it's not because we were like so awesome, we just had so many pianos all around the house. but. I ended up with one in my room, and I practiced regularly, and it became such a part of me and who I was. Eventually, when I was in junior high, uh, I got a guitar, and I, like, played it, like, sat down and tried to play it once and was like, anyways, that was interesting, and I went back to the piano. (laughs) The piano had uh, gotten into me and sort of found me as an instrument that meant something to me, helped me kind of understand music better, which I love very much. Um, never became great at it, and as I got into uh, high school and then my life sort of blew up in a lot of different ways, uh, I walked away from it or kind of let it fade. As an adult, I came back, and I decided I was going to start, I decided I was going to start taking piano lessons again. I was uh, in my uh, late 20s the first time I came back to it, and then again in my early 30s, and when I came back to it again in my early 30s, I actually went back, I was back living For the first time since I was a child in my hometown, I had moved away and I was back and I started taking piano lessons from the same teacher I had as a child. And I started using some of the same books that I had been using when I had been working with her the last time. And so I started to practice and I was getting back into it. And now as an adult, I was actually listening to some of the music I was trying to play And I was working through these things. Some of you will know what I mean exactly the moment I say it. Others of you will not. But I was working through these things called box inventions. And they are invented to ruin you. Um, They are invented in such a way, they are these little inventions that don't last very long, but your one hand is supposed to do one thing and your other hand is supposed to do the other thing. And if you get it exactly right, it sounds mildly passable and not at all beautiful or romantic. But I got really into them and I was working really hard, but I showed up to piano practice one day or to piano, my piano lesson one day, and my my teacher 
could tell that I was really frustrated. She'd been working with me since I was nine, remember? And she could tell that I was very frustrated. And she said, what's, what's wrong? I said, I'll tell you what's wrong. I'm listening to Glenn Gould play this invention, and I can't play it like that. And she said, Phil, he's one of the greatest piano players in the history of piano. No one can play it like that. Don't, don't do that to yourself. I said, well, I, if I can't sound like him when I play this, why play it at all? I feel like this is how we get when Jesus tells us what it means to be a disciple. Jesus stands up before us today in the beginning of what we call his Sermon on the Mount, which in the Gospel, according to Matthew, is the true beginning of his earthly ministry. And these are the very first words he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. And then he goes on and lists all of these types of people. Those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, those who are peacemakers, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, those who are reviled and persecuted on Jesus' account. These are the people who are blessed, people who live and act like this. This is what it means to follow Jesus to understand God's love. And if you're like me, you will often look at that, if you look at it at all, and say, I don't, I don't know that I can be any of those things, and I'm not even sure if I want to be. If I can't be a peacemaker, that'll really make a huge difference in this world. Why be a peacemaker at all? Why? What about me being a peacemaker is going to end the war in Ukraine? What about me being meek is going to end the swelling violence of this world and of this country in which we live? What about me being poor in spirit, which is to say, a person who says, I give up God, it's all yours. How's that going to make anything work better? How's any of this going to make any difference in this world? And besides, even when I do it, I can't do it like Jesus did it. We say I can't be a peacemaker like Martin Luther King Jr. Not like that, so why even try? I can't, I can't possibly be as meek as kind and merciful as Jesus or Mother Teresa or one of these people we hear about that we hold up as paragons of virtue and righteousness. Do I hunger and thirst for righteousness? Yeah, sometimes. Other times I just want to watch the Bengals play. I don't know. So if I can't, if I can't do it, why do it at all? Underneath that is something, I think, true about so many of us. 
which is a fear. A fear that we will not be able to be the kind of people we want to be. So why even go after it? We idealize this life. We all hold in our minds a picture of what it could be, of what we could be. And then we just disappoint ourselves and are disappointed by others. And the really fun thing about being Christian is then you also think you're disappointing God. What a joy. I had a parishioner say to me once, um, you know what I really don't like about your sermons? It's a wonderful way to start a conversation with a preacher. Like, because I'll tell you what, they'll listen. 100% of the time, the person will be like, tell me, I want to know so I can beat myself up later. Tell me. You know what I really don't like about your sermons? I said, what? And they said, you just stand up and tell people that God loves them no matter what. I was like, yeah. Well, God does love them no matter what. And they said, yeah, but so what? Now what? So they just sit around knowing they're loved and that's it? And I was like, yeah, at the time, got friends. I was like, yeah, that's exactly it. We sit around knowing that we're loved and, 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 and it makes things better. And, I, and I'm, as I'm saying it to her and as I'm defending myself, I'm going, ooh, she's right and I'm full of it. Okay, um, I've got to think about this. But what, I'm realized, what I've realized and what I'm continuing to realize in my relationship with God and my relationship with the church as a person who is trying to be Christian um, is that I do need to keep telling you all that God loves you no matter what because we keep trying to find reasons why it's not true. We will see this thing that Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the humble and the meek and the merciful and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and immediately go, I wonder if I'm one of those people. I don't know that I could. And we immediately come up with all of the ways that we fall short and say, well, I wonder if I'm blessed. I wonder if I'm worth God's time. We're afraid of not being able to live up to the idea that God has for us. So we end up oftentimes rejecting it altogether or ignoring it or making it our own thing. I do believe that the message of Jesus is that you are totally, completely, and utterly belonging to God. Period. As you are right now, should you never do another good thing as long as you live, you are completely loved, period. End of story. That is a thing that is true about you. It is in your core. It is in your being. God has made you as one who is beloved. This will never not be true about you. It will never be taken away. And before you were born and after you die, the truest thing about you is your belovedness. Now what? What will we do with that? And what Jesus describes to us throughout his ministry, beginning with the words we hear today, is the now what of the Christian. It is not live perfectly and do all the right things so that you may be loved, but it's also you're loved, so, you know, don't worry about anything. 
If you think that being fully and totally loved no matter what means you can check out of the problems of this world, you are fundamentally misunderstanding the heart of God. But also if you think that you've got to be completely and utterly perfect in the work that God gives you to do or it's worth nothing, you are also fundamentally misunderstanding the heart of God. God wants you to do the work imperfectly. Practice doesn't make perfect. Anyone who's played an instrument will tell you that. Practice makes practice. So get back at it. This is the work. About a month ago, I finally, after many years, reached out to a new piano teacher. And we are getting ready to start scheduling piano lessons so I can start up again. I am not good and I will never play in front of you. I need you to know that. Please don't ask me. Because I finally figured out it's actually not about you. It's not about playing for other people. It's not about becoming perfect. I said it's really meaningful for me, just for me as me, as Phil, to sit down on that bench in front of that piano and be frustrated and enjoy it and do the work. That's it. That's why I want to do it. This list of blessed people that Jesus describes, this is not aspirational for you. He's not describing spiritual celebrities or people who are meant to be amazing inspirations. He's describing you. Each one of you, as you read this list, one of these things resonates with you, and you should know this. Oftentimes the word blessed also gets translated, you're never going to believe this, I'm going to tell you, this is true, also gets translated as happy. The word for blessed and happy are oftentimes the same word. The word that Jesus uses, happy are those who are, choose to be meek. Happy are those who are merciful. Happy are those who are poor in spirit. How does that shift this for you? Instead of thinking about this as an aspirational way to be a Christian, you have the opportunity to think about what about following Jesus and loving this world brings your heart alive, opens you up, brings joy into you. Not what could you be better at. What about loving God and loving this world do you want to keep practicing at? What about mercy, love, peace, justice? What about these things, the practice of them, the imperfect, frustrating work of them? What about them sets your heart ablaze? The work we have to do is not the work of being perfect. It's practice. It's practice of the love for which we are made. And with the grace of God and the help of the Holy Spirit, we will not become perfect at any of it.
but we may see moments through the work where we are perfectly ourselves. In Jesus' name.